We do non-alcoholic cocktails, so we're saying you can strike out or make non-alcoholic those main classic cocktails, or it could be signatures on a cocktail menu, and your, your friend, or you can have the exact same experience, drink, you know, have the, the, the theatre of having a cocktail shaken, and it looks exactly the same, and you feel included and part of that group, part of that moment. Welcome to the Small Talk podcast, brought to you by Small World, the agency that builds scale-up brands. I'm Dan. I'm Harvey. Welcome to episode six of the Small Talk podcast. Today in the studio, we've got Tom Glover, the marketing Hello. manager of Strike. Lovely to have you in the studio. Before we get to Strike, um, we'd love to hear a bit about you, your background, sure. um, yeah, how you started uh, in the industry you're in. Sure. Well, I've been at Strike for four years now. I was actually the first employee into Strike at, in its incorporation. So kind of been on the on the trajectory, on the journey with them from, from the very beginning. I guess my background was always hospitality, always worked in cocktail bars, bars, pubs, whatever. I used to go to uni in Manchester, so to make ends meet, worked in cocktail bars. So I loved the drinks industry, but I didn't like finishing at five in the morning. So it was that kind of, okay, how do I pivot into, into the brand world? Graduated and the opportunity of strike kind of came about. It was really new. There was nothing else like it really in the market. At the time, there was maybe two brands. One was Diageo C-Lip. Another one was Cedars, which is Perno. That was pretty much it, really. And there was Strike. So it's kind of been building with, we're kind of building with Strike. Kind of marketing is the sort of avenue that I preferred most. In a startup culture, you have access to where you have to put your, you know, multiple fingers and multiple pies in order to make, you know, you have to kind of muck, muck in where, where appropriate, but kind of, Marketing is fun. Is that, that that's kind of where where I see the bread and butter is kind of that, you know, creating that sort of that positioning and that and that sort of how how you can attract and grow a customer base is 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 what I kind of saw saw best in. Mm. And yeah, just kind of and kind of got to this point now as as marketing managers. Previously, we we used to do a lot of event curation, a lot of brand platform work, which which I kind of took took the reins reins on, and then. And then it got to the stage where I was kind of ready to kind of move into that sort of multi-channel, multidisciplinary kind of overarching sort of marketing role, which I like because I like having control of things. Yeah. I like having, you know, you know, everything, everything is intertwined. Everything is all working towards, you know, the same common objective, whether it's a revenue target, whether it's a brand awareness target, everything's got to, everything's got to kind of blend together. So that, that's what I, I, I like doing. So cool. I just, sorry, I just want to quickly ask about, um, so Hospitality background, and you're like you yeah. say, I'm working in cocktail bars, mixing drinks, yeah. and then you've gone into Strike, which is obviously a non-alcoholic spirit. Was there a time when you, when you were working sort of behind the bar, were you recognising that was a bit of a trend, and you thought, okay, this is a brand that might be able to take off? Like, what was the, what was this? Why was the reason from hospitality serving drinks, serving alcoholic drinks in a bar in Manchester to then going to a non-alcoholic? Brand. Was it just coincidence or did no, you recognise it as an opportunity? It was quite considered actually. I, I saw what I hated as a bartender was making mocktails. I, I hated making, you know, you have a, say a book or, or menu that has 12, 15 classics to signatures to, to whatever. But then the, the, the mocktail, the non-out version, the non-out section was dust, dusty in the corner and no one really looked at it. And then, you know, you're having to make Shirley Temples and riffs off kind of juices and syrups and purees, which... It doesn't have that same sort of pizzazz or that same sort of like luxury as or as as when you have a cocktail. The experiences wasn't there, so I did notice that. I noticed that there, there people were asking for it more. There's an opportunity in multiple different kind of reasons 
you know, if someone's pregnant, if someone, if someone isn't whatever drinking. But then I used to have people come up to the cocktail bars and be like, can you make me something that looks like alcohol that's not alcohol? Because I don't want to, I don't want to have that sort of peer pressure of being, being called out for not drinking. So there was that element, but, 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 but also it just happened to, you know, co connection of a connection kind of fe fell, yeah. fell into place. Yeah. And I guess before we dive into like the nuts and bolts of the brand and the marketing itself, can you talk to us a little bit more of So from that point, how have you seen the market evolve or particular drinking culture in the UK evolve to the point where non-alcoholic brands, whether it's beer in brands like Lucky Saint, Two Spirits and <laughs> brands like Strike have, have, has evolved or our, our attitudes towards them have evolved? Oh, it's massive. Absolutely massive. You know, we did a, I did a, a trade show in 2018 for the first one that, that we exhibited at. And you had people come around and they were like, don't get it, what, what is that? Never gonna happen, never gonna change. No, we don't see, don't see the need for that even on our back bar or on our menu. And then, then, then you're seeing this societal shift happen quite quickly, which I think was accelerated by COVID as well, where young people were turning away from, from alcohol for whatever reason. It could be with the, you know, because of social media, it could just be because being seen to be drunk isn't cool anymore and they're switching to, to other forms of kind of consumption, whatever. But it's interesting because people follow the trends that young people are doing. Also, from, 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 a, from a, an older generation perspective, Generation X is, uh, is, is really important for us. You're seeing that as you get older, you can't hack being hungover anymore and you get a lot more there's a lot more responsibilities, a lot of plates to spin in your life. You know, be that you're moving up the job ladder, you've got family now, and also you want to maintain a, a healthy social, a social life as well. So that sort of triangle of things, you can't, you can't do them all, fulfill them all if you are going out on three-day benders. And I guess it's that people don't want to necessarily give up booze, but want to moderate. They want to find that better balance in their, in their, in their, in their lifestyle choices. Yeah. Which is what, what, I, what I've seen. And, Moving forward, you know, to, I went to a casual dining show, which is a big show in Excel last week. I, I didn't see many booze brands. It was all non-alcoholic. It's the same. It's, it's all non-alcoholic or, or functional drinks, which is, which is where the trend's going. The same, you'll, the same you'll see in the sort of the, the dairy market or the, 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 or the meat market. Everything is either vegan or is, is oat. Or the, the alternative market's really, uh, really, uh, really kind of accelerates, I think that's because of innovation, I think it's because of demand as well, and I think it's because of society is, is a lot more, uh, I think they're a lot more responsive and understanding of people that want to make, have more ch choice in their life. Yeah, and do you think those, ch do you think, is that relative, so is it just, we're seeing more of that because it's a trend at the moment and there's an increase in choice, but is that actually being reflected in sales, for instance, like have you seen that as a brand without disclosing your exact sales, but you've, presumably you've seen that as the actual trend increases, because there's lots of things that are, are like a trend, right, but aren't actually backed up. Yeah. Like you talk about Web3 and the metaverse and the amount of share of voice that had compared to adoption is very small, right? But I'm guessing that's an opposite uh, story here. Well, funny you say that, it's, there's a lot of hype. It's one of these hype cycle things that that happened. You saw big, big newspaper spreads saying one in four young people don't drink alcohol. Great. But there wasn't that, that didn't translate to exponential growth in sales across the category. Beer, beers are driving force behind the no low, no low category without shadow of doubt. You know, they've got about 80, 85% share of, of the market. Like spirits is very much small. I think it's an education thing. 
uh, and also it's, it's, an, it's an investment thing as well. I think with Diageo bringing out own brand, own, brand, own label products, they've got Tanker in, and Gordon's out now, that accelerated the category, which is good for everyone because it means that they've got the marketing investment, they've got the resources, they've got the scale, so they yeah. can do that education piece on behalf of, of the independent brands. The only caveat is they took a 90% share of market within six months of bringing those products out. Yeah. So, it's that, so it's like double, doubling down as a, a challenger brand within a challenger category of beer, wines and spirits is quite, is quite an interesting thing to do. So that's why marketing positioning, those sort of like traditional four pieces of marketing are really, really important and have been really important to kind of, you know, kind of just fight back and kind of maintain that sort of yeah. growth. Yeah, and particularly, I mean, it's really interesting that you say that because that, that is, we are doing a talk yesterday at an, an event which is all about how to get headlines for brands, but one of the parts of that was how and when you should pick beef with competitors, for instance, bigger competitors. And one of the reasons why you might do that is because generally by poking a, a big bear and having them respond it, it it gives you free marketing spend right then them speaking about the category or them speaking about the brand um shares i'm not saying that you have necessarily poked them like you said there it's kind of a conscious decision by them themselves but it's a bit of a double-edged sword but it can only be good if you're in a in a sort of smaller category to have a, mm. a bigger player kind of talking about it raising the profile of it and i mean i don't know that might be a, that might be a marketing strand in the future trying to put fun of them but i just thought it was yeah kind of interesting the way you said yeah that. the same thing happened with oatly and glebe farms yeah glebe oat farm, exactly. whatever that was so they oatly season to sister whatever and glebe just like yeah. basically open open source put on like, yeah mm. that, that helped them a lot it's great yeah yeah exactly. it's great but there's always a risk of that yeah cool i mean yeah let's get into strike itself now mm. i think what would be great to understand we, you know we know the the what of what it is right yeah. we know it's you know no um no alcohol spirits effectively yeah but we don't really know the why of what it is right why why is it different to other brands and what is what's the stake in the ground that you kind of sure. um put down to the competitors sure i guess kind of if you track back to why why it was created uh the kind of the found the founders of strike was a guy called Alex Carlton, who's ex Funkin' Cocktails. That he built that. Have you heard of Funkin'? Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. So he built that, exited, and then I guess Seed Seedlip came out in 2017, 2018, and that just that you know their marketing strategy was was insane. You know they they were in a category of one. They created a product that was so unique that it literally just took everyone by storm, and they 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 created the market, which is great. But I guess they were. A un, you know a unique blend of botanicals that was kind of like a gin but not a gin and no one really knew what to do with it but it was the only one on the market so it just flood, flooded the market but there wasn't anything that was kind of akin to the spirits themselves no one that kind of put that stake in the ground like you say and was like oh no we are like a gin we are like a rum or a vodka so I think that there was definitely an opportunity so 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 Alex took kind of partnered up with this, this, the, the still current chairman of Funkin and another guy called Jack Horner who's ex fruct so like the Octagon, a kind of music marketing agency, to create a, the brand strike and create a proposition to create a range of spirits that that you use uh, exact that use taste, look, sound, feel exactly like alcohol, just without the alcohol. They're the first in market to do it, and you know the proposition was you know not gin, not rum, not vodka, because I think through previous experience or, or previous kind of headaches was that no one, because it's a nascent category, you don't want to overcomplicate it. You want to be going to plant the stake in the ground and say, this is like a gin, but it's not. You know, you know how to make a gin and tonic or a bartender knows how to make a mojito. You literally just directly switch out the, the alcohol for the, the, uh, the non-alcoholic version. It's as simple as that. And I think that's really helped us through our growth is that we're no nonsense. We're not, we're not trying to, you know, create smoke and mirrors. 
we're we're very we're very sort of firm in our belief that we want to bring kind of not drinking to, to the masses and not make it terribly difficult to, to understand what, what to do with, with the product. And then, you know, created the tagline, which is all the spirit, none of the alcohol, yeah. which then which then falls into the sort of whole brand positioning work out of that. Mm. Um, and Strike itself doesn't have any meaning. Uh, it was cre- I think it was created because kind of riffing on to strike out the alcohol in a cocktail, that's, but then wanted to, I guess, modernize it and add a couple of consonants where vowels should be. And, yeah. and I think that there's, always, there's always that, there's always that brand or drinks brand wish or desire to like be a, be a bar call in itself. Yeah. So, you know, to strike out a cocktail or I want to go on strike this weekend or can I, can I have two gin and tonics strike one? That was always the, that was always the goal. Yeah. Tough to get traction on that, but yeah. you know, it's yeah. like everyone, everyone wants that Jack and Coke moment. Everyone mm-hmm. wants that, you know, that sort of branded mm. bar call. So yeah. I think having something that was unique and, and short and snappy and sharp with, from, from an on-trade or hospitality perspective was really, was really considered and important equally. Yeah, it's really interesting when we had the guys from El, El Rio and they, they spoke specifically about one of their inspirations being Aperol and the way that they effectively created the, the Aperol spritz, right? That, that drink could have another type of aperitif in it, but everyone just will know it as an Aperol spritz. Yeah. Um, a little bit different to kind of what you were saying. I guess mm. you're, that yours is more like a, a type of terminology attached to drinking, which is even even better. Yeah. I really loved as well, the looking at your brand guidelines, just the simplicity of the brand and the way that you can use the logo to denote, you know, when you would have vegan usually on a menu or you might have vegetarian as an option or whatever that might be, your logo can basically be used to represent non-alcoholic and that, making it synonymous of, with no alcohol. Pre, yeah, exactly. Pre-COVID, that was our that was our number one strategy. You know, traditionally you build drinks brand in the on trade. That that's where you get that's where you get the the additional distribution. That's where you get the bar visibility, and that's where you get the growth that then feeds into different channels. And our sort of our, um, we kind of created this menu hack that that we called it, where just like you've got a cocktail menu of twelve cocktails, say six of them have rum, gin, and vodka as as the base spirit. What we were proposing is just like you have V for vegetarian or GF for gluten free. We have, a, we have an S, I don't have a bottle with me, but we have an S logo, like a secondary logo yeah. on the base of our bottle or in our, and on our cap as well. And you, you place that next to the cocktails that can be made non-alcoholic. So, so from an operator perspective, you know, because it's, no, it's a no-brainer because you, you don't have to create additional menu space for them because that, that, that's, pr- that's prime real estate. That, that costs money. You know, you want to put like deals and offers and, and whatever in there. So we're saying, you know, combine that, removing the mocktail section because we're very much anti-mocktails. You know, yeah. mo- mocktails is for us a bit of a dirty word. You know, we feel like Clearly you know, agree, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a bit, you know, it sounds quite childish. It doesn't sound like you're having a proper drink. So we do non-alcoholic cocktails. So we're saying you can strike out or make non-alcoholic those main classic cocktails or it could be signatures on a cocktail menu and your, your friend or you can have the exact same experience drink, you know, have the, the, the theatre of having a cocktail shaken and it looks exactly the same and you feel included and part of that group, part of that moment. That's why I think beer and Lucky Saint have got so much traction because, you know, their strategy was get on draft. If you can get on draft and have a beer and a glass that looks like beer, people are going to buy it. You know, yeah. it's, 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 you know it just makes sense because people want to have something that A, it's, it's, in the, it's in their current ritual and what they already know about. But, but also, you know, if you want, if you go to a bar and someone pours, a, pours you a pint, you feel like you're part of, still part of that moment. Mm. So that's that's what was really important to us from an on-trade perspective is, and we 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 got made some really good traction in in London with with our independent free trade. Obviously, it was it was crack. It, it was still quite a nascent category at the time, so we were trying to crack those sort of big multiple, those sort of national accounts, which was always in our agenda. 
and I guess we signed a, a strategic distribution partnership with Funkin' Cocktails. So it all, yeah. all comes full circle. <laughs> uh, it's, all, it's all incestuous. <laughs> As are sort of our sole UK distributors, which is great because they're on trade specialists. They're the black horse or the dark horse of the sort of, of, of the cocktail world. You know, every, you know, all the modern cocktails will have yeah, some, yeah. some form of Funkin' puree or syrup within it it just wasn't necessarily bar cool so so to have them as kind of our our sales our sales team meant that from a stripe perspective we 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 never have to grow a sales team we we managed to stay really lean just marketing and export and brand and meaning that you know we've got 30 on-trade specialists that are out there selling stripe for us which made which which was perfect sense Mm -hmm. at, at the time from a strategic perspective. Mm. I just want to jump in and ask, you mentioned it there about Ritual. Yeah. And we, we know one of our own clients who works um, in RUM, Ritual is a really sort of fundamental part to their marketing communications. You touched on it as well. Why is it so important to the alcohol category? And because I, th- I really agree, particularly the language around mocktail, it does sound childish. It's almost mm. like an embarrassing drink to have, isn't it? It's, and you're right, far corner, dusty, or oh, can I have a mocktail? It feels embarrassing. Yeah. And I think there is really something to be said, yeah, about feeling the same ritual as getting a normal drink and yeah i mean absolutely spot on with the lucky saint getting the same draft in a, in a nice glass you don't feel like you're excluded you feel very yeah. included i think people have about seven drinks in their repertoire that they drink there's no no more no less people always go back to the same drink and i think you know in order to introduce a new drink or a new concept or something it takes time takes effort takes money takes resources so it can, it can be done and it obviously has been you know Aperol spritz, you know, since, you know, t- since like 2017, 2018, have killed it. And they, they've, they've changed that, you know, taking all that market share away from PIMS, which is great for those that don't like PIMS. Um, <laughs> um, so it's, it's really tapping into what people already know, you know, what people already like to order and in the situations where they are ordering or drinking it. Because, you know, we're talking now primarily about hospitality, but a, a key and, and, and a more important moment for non-alcoholic drinks is at home as well. So, you know, what, what would be a strategy for... Like the on-trade cocktails, whatnot, completely different strategy that we have for for our for at home. People want that ritual of you know on, on Monday to Thursday, whether you usually have like a glass of wine or a beer or a gin and tonic whilst they're having their meal. We don't want to kind of put a square peg through a round hole and be like, oh no, have something completely different with yeah. all these ingredients that you don't know how to that you have to get from a specialist shop. It's like okay, you, know, you like having gin and tonic, you like that fever tree tonic, or you like that 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 kind of that that ginger beer mixer. We're not saying change anything, just just change up the spirit and you can have that same ritual, that same kind of moment. And you, and it makes you feel kind of more comfortable, I think, yeah. I feel. Totally. And I guess, yeah, we've, we've spoken about kind of the brand generally now. It'd be great to, and I know you, you've mentioned that on trades, obviously, particularly one of your main your distribution channels, but also the, the people that you're trying to impress with your marketing, I suppose. Mm. Talk to me about some of the initiatives that you think in particular over the last couple of years have really resonated and really got that message across about what Strike is, but also why it should be in bars and why it should have sort of pride of place and, and yeah, the things that you've been proud of, particularly communications wise that you've kind of sure worked on. I think we pivoted quite dramatically during COVID. Yeah. Probably to talk about that in a bit, but Entree shut down for a year and a half, which meant the whole, the whole strategy strike had to change quite dramatically away from Entree and, to, and, towards, and towards e-commerce and grocery. And, and ultimately, that, that is what really accelerated us as a business and accelerated the category. Tesco was our first national multiple listing. We were really, we were really keen on wanting to bring non-alcoholic drinks to the masses. As, as we've scaled, we've actually brought our price down 
which is, seems a bit odd, but we basically we did a lot of work on price establishment. We did a lot of consumer insight just to see what people were willing to pay for a bottle of non-alcoholic spirit. Because what people understand is tax and duty. They understand, you know, so they understand if they're being ripped off. And I think we, we, we got that and we managed to find where, where, was the, where was the perfect moment for, where was the perfect sort of point where we seemed premium enough not to just be like a, you know, a Gordon's, but still, but still, not, but still not priced as price prohibitive that would, that would generally put people off. So we've worked a lot on, 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 our, on our price positioning over the years and kind of bringing it down to a really competitive price point. And, and I think that that's really helped us from a, from a communications perspective because we then pivoted towards being a more mainstream product that, ev- that, that everyone could, could pick up, that that's not, just, that's not just for the Savoy, but you could find it in Weatherspoons or Beef Eater or, you know, uh, so prices, yeah, so our, our pricing strategy reflected our, our common strategy quite a lot. And that, that, that then trickles down all through to our branding as well. We, re, we, we, we rebranded quite hard, in, um, quite dr- drastically actually, in, uh, in January this year, mm-hmm. reflecting that as well. A lot of people kind of made comments that it was hard to kind of understand what, what, what still, you know, what, what it was. It looked, the, the bottle was too heavy. You know, people are becoming more environmentally conscious. So making all, all these changes to, you know, to make, to make Strike as, as a brand more approachable, still modern, but also pivoting into a bit more of a mainstream approach as, as well, because it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a volume game at, at the moment. And I think that comes across when you, like, again, there doesn't seem to be a brand like yours on the market. Most of the competitors are trying to go up market. They, they, they're like a, you know, like a seed lip, et cetera. It's all about provenance and it's, and it's all about looking like the most expensive bottle on the shelf. Yep. And not to say that you guys don't, don't look uh, uh, quality. And, and you know, like you said, yeah, you want to stay away from that kind of Gordon's argument. But it, it, it looks, I guess, like no bullshit is the best way of, of describing it, right? And you, and you even have that from the new labeling that are on the bottles. Yep. Like you said, not rum, not gin, not vodka. You get it. Like you get it from, you, you know, it doesn't seem like you're trying to pull the wool over the consumer's eyes, which is yeah at the moment a, a massive thing. For, for Absolutely. And, and I think in addition to that, you know, we've never talked about the heritage, the provenance, the, the production process, any of the, that's, that's not what we're about. We're about, that, that's, I guess, that's the input. We talk about the output. We talk about what non-alcoholic experience can facilitate. So, you know, it, it means you can, you know, essentially do more. You, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can go out and have fun and, and but still get up and, you know, do that, you know, do that 9 a.m. meeting the next day. Yep. You know, we're all about reflecting the branding, but also, but also in our sort of, our, our kind of strategy is, you know, still wanting to, still being able to go out and have fun, you know, our, our target market is Gen X. Yeah. That's that sort of kind of kind of forty, yeah, kind of like thirty-eight to fifty sort of bracket, because they're the people that actually drink this product the most. It's not the young people because you, it doesn't because they cause, because they don't drink, or a lot of them don't drink or never have drunk. It doesn't make any sense to to market something that is an alcohol-free version of a product they've never had before, never liked. Yeah. So we're we're positioning quite hard towards. Old, older people, people that, you know, have, you know, had it in the 90s and, you know, go out, you know, big, big sort of like party animals, you know, when, when Britain hit peak kind of booziness in 2004, that, that was when it kind of, it started to change a bit. But, the, but these are the people that are, you know, now have mid to senior jobs and they've got kids and they've got more responsibilities and I can't hack the hangovers and, but they still want to go out and still have fun. People write off this, gener- these older generations. 
but but they they still like going out. They're still like kind of having fun. And I think what what we want to do is really is is kind of communicate that is still possible, but just having a bit of a bit more kind of care and moderation because we're not we're not anti-alcohol at yeah. all. We're actually pro-alcohol. That's why we're alcohol yeah. alternatives. Yeah. We're not mm. saying drink or don't drink. Yeah. But you know we're saying you know, have a have a gin and tonic or have two, but then have a, a not gin and tonic. Yeah, and then go back. Yeah, but so that means you half your alcohol intake, but you're still having that same flavour profile that yeah. runs all the way through. It's interesting because you're right. It's you, it shouldn't be a binary choice of I'm going out and getting pissed or I'm not going out at all. Because particularly with that audience, you're right. They probably get to a certain age and like, oh, I don't really go out anymore. Can't do the hangovers. I've got kids screaming at me in the morning, and I've got a big presentation, which I think also as you go up, even we found it, haven't we? Since we started small world you can't really afford to have monday tuesday wednesday as a bit of a write-off with a yeah. hangover in your head so you're right as you go up the job ladder you you know you're the guy doing all the work ultimately yeah ultimately. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah alcohol's not the enemy right it's about trying to convince those people as their lives get more serious you can still go out without having the uh yeah the agony i suppose the pain and the um yeah the slowness of a hangover yeah it's about choice you know it's, it's mm. about giving people that choice that that enables balance essentially yeah i, I just want to touch on your brand proposition and kind of unpack that a bit. So what is it? All, all the spirit, none of the alcohol. It's, yep. it's a really great line. Obviously, it's kind of informative on the product, but equally, it's got quite a lot of attitude. How do you use that? You know, you've got the kind of brand proposition. One, how did you get there? And then two, how have you kind of used that in kind of activations and your communications? I wasn't around when, when they got there, but I, I, think, it, I think it was... You, need, you needed to communicate the essence of, of what the business wanted to achieve or the mission of the business, which was, you know... That what we just discussed earlier, which was the the double entendre of the, the spirit and and the, the spirit or the literal drink and the spirit, which is obviously the the the, the funnel, the energy, the life, the lifeblood, the soul of of what going out or what kind of entertaining or being with people or hosting going, you know, that 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 enables. But it's just the fact that there is no alcohol involved in in this particular moment, and, and I think that that's really important. That that runs that runs through the whole business. You know, this tagline we use everywhere. You know, we sweat it. We've seen mm. a lot of imitators. Do you know on on menus or on their on their sort of slogans? Do the same sort of thing, but nothing. I think ours kind of rings quite nicely and rings a lot better. And that then launched me personally. That that tagline launched our whole brand platform out of that, which was you know I, I wanted to tap quite heavily into culture, and I saw there's definitely a market for music to play a part in that as well. Because there's always this there's always this inference that when you're not drinking, you're you're on your own in your in your in your living room with a yeah. with a microwave meal, you know that sort of thing. But that that that's not the case. I think there's definitely those high energy moments that, that people still still want to have. You know, go whether you you know whether you're going still going clubbing or going to like a listening bar or or, or like a late night bar or something. It's creating that connection between you know, culture and, and our brand, which which kind of informs a lot of of the partnerships we made. You know, and and also our sort of philanthropic sort of ventures as well that 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 we did. You know, I guess the one the most notable one that we've done this year was with Pikes. Yeah. In, in, in Ibiza, I don't know if you guys. I went like two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean it's, it's great, isn't it? So we did it. We did a part. We did like a, a, a season-long partnership with this new with his with this sort of night called Flash, which is kind of like a pansexual. You know, don't know, no, who, you know. Yeah, that's what I went to. Did you? <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you in there? Yeah, 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 it was great time. So fun. Yeah, so we, we worked quite closely with Guy. I worked with Guy, Guy Williams for for years now. For, for, well, since since I started, oh. really. And he's yeah. You know, so we we kind of we we were the brand sponsor for those events, and because it really tapped into what we were trying to kind of get across as a spirit was that 
you know, it doesn't matter if you're you're not drinking or drinking. You're, you're ev everyone's welcome here, which really fits well into the flash proposition. It's mm. like doesn't matter if you're, you're gay, you're yeah. gay, straight, queer. Don't I don't care. You're all welcome here. Yeah. So it was it was a perfect matchup, and with the location of Pikes, you know, slightly older crowd, a bit boho, a bit cool, a bit you know, a bit removed from that sort of standard San Antonio ilk you know it, it was a more kind of like laid back more sort of it's an older crowd basically yeah. but people that wanted to do escape but still have that sort of fun and let down their hair a bit so pikes and flash and strike was just a really nice match that kind of that came about mm. and yeah so, so so that as a brand partnership is probably you know a very really strong one that we that, that we kind of forge that's cool that you went it's nice it's yeah, yeah yeah no it's good it's really funny it was yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah family holiday and my sister's first night out so she's had a baby but yeah it was class it was a great time Really good night. It would be good to sort of um, head towards the challenges for the brand now as well. And in particular, you know, what I guess there are a number of challenges, right, with what you're doing. Obviously, you had, you had COVID that came up, which is a massive pivot for the brand. But yeah. also just generally, I suppose, having to sell no alcohol as a proposition to an industry that is built on alcohol mm. um, must have also been been quite difficult. I wonder if you just touch on a few of few of the challenges as, as you saw it. Like what, what has been the most challenging thing? To accomplish with the brand yeah covid covid obviously created you know kind of green shoots but also had its range of difficulties as well we're still you know it obviously you know 2020s when it first sort of first sort of came about but we're still feeling like supply chain shocks from 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 that you know even things that you don't even think about like the little kind of cardboard inserts for boxes which was previously a Four week lead time is now eight months. How do you forecast that stuff? You know, it's it's mental. You know, so so and obviously prices are going up. So then your 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 gross margin goes down, and then your and then that that puts you in a position. You like, okay, you need to you need to kind of push and sell, you know, kind of drive volume. But it's quite tough because, like you say, it's a nascent category. You're trying to to some people, to some buyers, which is quite an antiquated industry still. There's a lot of new fresh blood coming in and people are, are, are getting it. But, you know, especially where, with, with grocery channels, you know, the, the, big, the big four, the shelves are inelastic. It's one in, one out. And they're not giving enough shelf space for something that is actually quite a, a big sort of movement at the moment. Some of the big four aren't taking it seriously enough. You know, I'm not going to name names, but one of the, uh, the, uh, the, the buyers for known low is also the buyer for fish. So it's the expertise or the lack or therefore or lack of expertise in, in, yeah. in the category, which doesn't give you much hope. Well, it, does, well it, it just makes it harder. And going back to the on-trade, traditionally you'd have two menu changes a year. You'd have like light nights, which is obviously for summer menu, and dark nights, which is for, for the winter menu. So you could plan and, and you could develop you know, seasonal serves and, and changes in advance of that. That that's all that's all completely changed now. It's like one change a year. Their menus all condensed. It's all very much data driven. A lot of these companies, they they're in a lot of these kind of big bigger kind of national chains. They're they're not stocking no and low because they see it as a revenue driver. They're doing it because out of necessity. It's like having a vegan option on a menu, or like having oat milk on a oat milk on your sort of your your coffee tab. It's like they they they're aware that they need to provide this option, but they they don't see the the volume or they don't see the opportunity, which which is which is great because you know you then get within you know, obviously it's, it's it's getting it's getting those listings, but then it's nice when you you know, take them by surprise and actually it does look better than the, the, the dusty bottles or that they have on their back bar. So that's the challenge. It's still, it's still young. It's still a really young category as part, you know, I guess spirits within the known low category, which is, which is small of the total category is only about 2%. 
but it is growing. I think the market will grow. It is stagnating a bit at the moment. So it's like what what needs to be done in order to really reinvigorate. And I, and I think that's just through more just getting more distribution and more awareness that the category exists. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I guess parallel to that or in antithesis for that rather, what are you most excited for for the category in general? What do you think is are the things on the horizon which um which we can expect and that we can be excited for? I think it's gonna be the normalization of not drinking. And I think that's really exciting. The fact that the days gone where people would call you out for being a non drinker is then it will now be okay you know that's cool and i think that's with the emergence of lower abv beers i think is really driving that as well but i tend to pick if i'm like kind of drinking for a considerable time i just go i go low low abv and, and i think i think that's great and i think that's where i see the category growing is just like the the increased acceptance that this is not a trend and that it's it's a it's a, a category that is here to stay and, and i think that can only be achieved through that increasing choice Mm. And, and and just further education so i think i think yeah that's the main thing choice and awareness great sounds yeah. like these brands are screaming out for a scale-up brand advertising agency great and then as as we wrap up we always like to ask sort of four questions sure the first is a book that you've read or something something for people to read generally yeah um look, i love anything that rory sutherland like creates that his alchemy book is, uh, I think, is pretty mind blowing. Just uh, from a marketer's perspective, mm-hmm. I'm reading one at the moment. It's called It's called Transport for Humans. If you like anything to do with infrastructure and kind of behavioural science, or like, yeah. that's a really good one as well. But for more traditional, Byron Sharp, How Brands Grow. I, yeah. I kind of live. I kind of built my whole sort of marketing kind of, I guess, approach based on that book. Yeah, of course. So yeah, cool. Both classics. And then something to listen to. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, I I like I don't actually. Uh, listen to to podcasts as, as such because that's a lot mm-hmm. of what I guess that's a big trend like, music is is a big sort of part of I guess my life and, and my interest just this uh, uh, yeah do you know what mm-hmm. I was, I, it's really hard because I don't actually listen to albums either I listen, I listen it's to hard, it? <laughs> I said albums I was like it's a good idea but who listens to albums nowadays <laughs> artist give us a track emerging artist I, I think you know I think the one that I'm into a kind of dance music and, and house music if you know, if you have a chance to listen to anything that Fred again puts out, yeah. you know, I, I literally I was on I was on you know OT Price yesterday. Cause he's got he's got a show coming out in in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he, he's like on fire. His boiler room is like un, yeah, un, it was unbelievable. Mad. I think I watched that three or four times. Mm, yeah. like the energy that that guy creates. Yeah. Fun it, fact: I went to primary school with him. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kidding. No, until I was fourteen. Cause, That's really cool. Yeah, he's year above me at school. Uh, yeah, we weren't best of friends, but another episode, another episode. Great. We'll get him on. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. He is amazing. Yeah, he's cool. But yeah. But yeah. So what's the final one? Uh, someone to follow, not Fred again. Yeah. yeah. There's this guy on LinkedIn. He's called Tony Goodwin. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard of him. No. He's just like a thought, a thought leader, and he just calls out bullshit on the whole marketing category. He, he calls out bullshit on, you know, on all these kind of innovations with whether it's N- NFTs or Web, Web 3.0. You know, I guess he, he's very, he's very like, grounded. He's very, very real, very yeah. much a realist in, in what marketing should be. And I think people are, tend to get quite excited about shiny new things that, that yeah. come about. And I think he's very good at being like, no, in marketing, it's all about, you know, 
uh, it's all about market orientation. The customers are always first, you know, and people tend to forget that. And he's really good at, he's, he's a good guy to follow if you, if you see him on LinkedIn. Okay, great. And then, our, yeah, our last one is just somebody we should have on next, uh, preferably a, a sort of brand owner that you know, but it could, could be somebody else. But yeah, somebody that we should have on. Yeah, I think, uh, have, we, have we done a beer brand yet? Uh, we no. haven't, no. You should do, you should chat to, you've had a Freestar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have. Eddie Dallas, he's really cool. Okay. They're a really cool brand. They kind of start at the same time as us. Mm, yeah. They, their kind of whole proposition is quite cool. They do a lot. They, they think they're like Hackney based, but they did a lot with like the women's Euros this summer. They brought out like a specialist IPA with like kind of grassroots women's football, which I think is really cool. So I think they'd be really cool guys to chat with. They, they've, they've now got really good distribution now. So I think they, they'd be cool. Another name drop, but I actually used to work with him. <laughs> Did you? Well, I was an intern. He used to work at Popcom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did an internship there. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Really nice guy. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and no, I would definitely give him a shout. Marvellous. Cool. I've been Dan. I've been Harvey. If you like the podcast, please share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or even just to a mate. If you or anyone you know runs a brand that you think would be perfect for small talk, then get them to hit us up on hello at smallworld.marketing. We're Small World, and this was Small Talk.